afternoon, Nana. How are you today? I'm doing good, Sarah. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm accomplishing quite a bit, so that's a good thing. Isn't that a good feeling when that happens? Yes, it absolutely is. It's a wonderful feeling. I love that. Yes. I'm looking forward well, to getting some grocery shopping done soon, hopefully. <laughs> I'm going, as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to finish. I have an assignment that I have to finish and a quiz. So I'm going to get that done and I'll be done. And then I'm going to go decorate for Sunday school. <laughs> oh, that sounds like fun. Yes. We're starting a new theme and um, it, the theme is, well, I, I got a new book. It's called Move and it's actually for like groups from five to 12, but uh -huh. the theme is under God's construction. So we get to decorate like we're in a construction zone. So I'm super excited about that. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. I bought some orange cones and some yellow worker hats and some tape, you know, like they do like tape that they put out yellow caution tape and all that. And then That's gonna be cool. it's just going to be fun. I'm excited about it. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. Well, I'm excited yeah. today to um, talk talk about what we're going to talk about today. Although I have to be honest, um, I did some research on this and my brain was kind of blown because it wasn't exactly what I thought it was. Mm -hmm. um, so it was actually quite different than what I expected that it was going to be. Mm -hmm. and Me too. So, um, yeah, it, you grow up with an ideology, and then when you really study it out and research it, it sure is a whole lot different than what you grow <laughs> up with. <laughs> because when I was looking it up, too, I was like, whoa, this is not even, well, it is close, but it's like in a whole different vein than what you, you know, you think it is. So here we exactly. roll. <laughs> here we roll. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Elder Girls. This is what you find out when you come on this podcast. We're having good conversations. So, here we go. so this might be very interesting today because it was not exactly what I thought it was. <laughs> but um, before we get started, I do want to remind all of our listeners, don't forget to tune in on November 11th and start yeah. preparing for our book review for our new book club uh, where we're going to be reading a book each um, season and yes. then reviewing that book with our listeners. And for this season, the book that we're going to be reviewing is Sport and Etude by Patsy Claremont. It's a little bit of an older book, but Sarah absolutely loves it and has recommended it. And so yeah. I think it's going to be fun to talk about it and learn about it and read it myself. So I got to get mine ordered. Uh, she yeah. said that they're available on Amazon, eBay. She gave quite a number of sites to Thrift get books. them from. Okay, go ahead. Thrift Books, Second Sale, Discover Books, and BetterWorldBooks.com. Awesome. And then eBay so, and Amazon, of course. Fantastic. So, so books yeah. like this are just great to add to our libraries and... Mm -hmm. Um, part of who we are is based off of what we read and we consume and we listen to. And so we just thought it would be really fun to do a book review. Some of them will be self-help. Some of them might just be a love story, a good, yes. uh, good. Um, I don't know if they're apostolic love stories, but what are those inspirational? Yes. <laughs> uh, just man, clean Christian based fiction, maybe, yes. maybe not even really a love story. I love there's a Colleen Coble or, Oh, yes. that mm -hmm. some of her books are just man they make you look at biblical history in such a different light than what you thought it might be yes. and um it really gives you an idea of how barbaric people were in those days yes. like just you know living they were basically creating a civilization back then you know, when you think about it. So anyways, I don't want to get off on that route trail because my readers mind love stuff like that. But <laughs> on November 11th, we're going to be doing our book review and we want all of our listeners to be involved. So read the book and send us your thoughts at theeldergirls.2020 at gmail.com at our website and send us your feedback. What do you think about the book? What stood out in the book to you? Was there a certain part of the book that really spoke to you that you felt like, wow. 
think about this or this gave me a revelation on something or do you have questions about the book is there something that raised a question in your mind uh share those thoughts with us share your name and your location because we want to source the questions and the feedback properly and give you a shout out during our podcast and just it's a great way for you to be involved in the conversation and so we're excited about that looking forward to that on november 11th Yes, ma'am. And just a little note here, Patsy Claremont is not apostolic, so she does not write, you know, from an apostolic point of view, but her writings are so good and so easy to read because she writes like she speaks. I had the privilege of listening to her speak one time when I lived in Colorado Springs, and she is a hoot, a literal hoot. I mean, she will have you laughing your head off one minute and crying and, and weeping and praying the next minute. So I hope that you'll enjoy the book as much as I do. That's awesome. All right. So moving right along today, our subject is what is spiritual usury? (laughs) Mm, The reason I'm laughing is because (laughs) what I thought spiritual usury was, (laughs) it sort of is like, I do remember from the teaching growing up, there's a component of that in there. But when I really started studying it, I found out like it's, kind of not too (laughs) Mm -hmm. so so um we're going to talk about it today and i'm interested to see what you found on it sir i can't tell you i found a ton on it because everything i found on it kind of said the same thing Mm -hmm. Uh, but as i did start going through a bunch of scriptures i could see it being used in different contexts and frames which we talked about in our last podcast when we talked about words matter Mm -hmm. um so I could see it being applied, maybe, maybe applied would be a better word than used to different right. contexts and different frames. So here we go, folks. What is spiritual usury? Let's all dig into this together and discover what it is. Okay. So when I started researching, Anna, what I found was back um, in biblical times and even, you know, um, in beginning of time, I guess you could say was that the Jews were uh, in involved in this, but as Jesus came on earth, he began to teach against this and, and to teach and to train in this very intensely, which was really surprising because it wasn't anything what I thought it was according to the word of God. But then, like you said, I could see where it was tying in with what I had been, what you and I and all of us had been taught that spiritual usury was throughout different ways in the word of God. But originally it was to do with somebody taking out a loan from somebody else, most usually um, in the Gentile world, not even so much in the Jewish world, because the Jewish had a different way of doing things with their money system, but they would take out a loan and then they would, whoever they would take the loan from, which you read about this a lot, especially, and, and I'm having to take little trails here. Um, when you, when you read, I believe is in the old Testament about um, the widow that had two sons and they came in to take all of the money from her sons, all of the coin, you know, she had him go get all the money that was left in the house. She had two sons and they were going to take the boys away because she didn't have the money that they had charged her interest. So basically, according to what I had researched and found and studied out in scripture was spiritual usury was where somebody would get a loan or give a loan, and then they would charge exorbitant high amounts of interest on that loan and earn extra money back. So that was the historical research part of what I found about spiritual usury. I'm going to let you, Anna, bring in what we were taught as far as that ties in with that spiritual usury. And then I'll kind of tell you what I wrote down here um, of what we were taught. Well, I, yeah, I actually, that's what, I mean, I dug into this. I found like literal research papers on this through Christian colleges uh, Uh where, um, and I didn't save them all. Some of them I did save, but some of them I did not save all, but where they did these whole um, um, studies on spiritual usury and, and, um, 
I'm sorry, I'm just opening up some scriptures on it because it's all through the Bible. It's yes. in the Old Testament as well. It talks about in Exodus 22 and 5, if thou lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not to him be as an usurer, neither shalt thou lay upon him usury. And so I went and I researched the definitions because you know I'm the definition person, mm-hmm. that definitions matter. And yes. the definition of usury is formerly interest or a premium paid or stipulated to be paid for the use of money. It used to be, it was formerly, formerly denoted as any legal interest, but in this sense, the word is no longer used. So that could be legal interest, like monetary interest mm-hmm. that was charged on something. It could be an interest of time. It could be an interest of service, like you were charging someone interest on service. Um, uh-huh. They had, you had loaned them a service and then you were charging them, say you loaned them an hour of service, but you were telling them they had to pay you back in three hours of service because mm-hmm. you added two hours of interest on that hour of service that you right. loaned to them, you know, so it could be an interest of service. It could be an interest of property. It could be an interest of an asset of any sort, basically, mm-hmm. um, but they say it's not typically used in that way anymore. In present usage, illegal interest is a premium or compensation paid or stipulated to be paid for the use of money borrowed or retained beyond the rate of interest established by law. So it's a gross usury of interest and charging someone interest so far above and beyond what should be charged to them that they, of course, are not able to to meet that interest because i mean who can pay interest on that level um and then so i also looked up um let me go back here i looked up oh and then it also just says the the practice of taking interest that's usury well the scripture actually said usurer and you and so i was looking about that's the person, of course, who's charging the interest. Usurious is practicing usury, taking exorbitant interest for the use of money as a usurious person, or partaking of usury, containing us- usury as a usurious contract, which by statute is void. Um, so you're a usurious person, basically, when you are adding interest to somebody else that has loaned something that you and you're taking above and beyond on them paying back that loan um, usuriously in a usurious manner and then usuriousness. I didn't know there were all these usury words. I didn't either. (laughs) Usuriousness, the state or quality of being usurious, Mm -hmm. which is just somebody who practices usury. And so basically when we were growing up, oh, I did want to go through before I go deep into that. I wanted to look at a few more of the scriptures on this. Um, Before you do that, can I say here what I looked up? Because when you said the word usurer, I had looked up the word usurer in the dictionary and it said a person who uses others and calls it good for the sake of self-advantage. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So so you go on because this is going to tie right in with what we were going to talk about. Yeah. So, I mean... um... It, it talks about usury in the Bible has arrived in modern English to mean unreasonable interest upon money loaned, either formally illegal or at least oppressive. Um, but in the scripture, the word did not just have this purpose, but it indicated simply interest of any kind upon money. And I just think this is, I know this is not what we were taught just yet, but it's a little important to establish a foundation. I think. Right. The Jews were prohibited by the law of Moses to take interest from their brethren, Mm -hmm. but they were allowed to take it from foreigners. Right. This prohibition grew out of the agriculture status of the people in which ordinary business loans were not needed and loans as were required should be made only as to friends and brothers in need. I think this is probably now I think I understand why the Bible says Uh that if you loan somebody something to somebody, Uh Look at it as a gift and not a loan. Right. And just basically right. give it to them without expecting right. repayment for it. Now right. that, like, I always wonder, like, why does the Bible really place so much emphasis on that? After uh-huh. reading this, I think I finally really am beginning to understand that. Mm-hmm. And it's also defined as the practice of 
as the practice of mortgaging land, sometimes an exorbitant interest, which this grew up among the Jews during captivity in direct violation of the law. And you can read about that law in Leviticus 25, 36 through 37 and Ezekiel 18, 8 through 17. I'm not going to go through tons of that because it can get very um, academic. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and we can be here a long time. Uh, talking about the academic component of this, but there is a lot of scripture in the Bible about it. There's Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy 23, 19, thou shalt not lend upon usury to thy brother, usury of money, usury of victuals, usury mm-hmm. of anything that is lent upon usury. And this is where it goes, that ties more into how um, we were raised in the concept right. of usury. Psalms 15 and five, he that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. Basically, the favor of God is with somebody that doesn't doesn't yes. participate in usury or take reward mm-hmm. against the innocent. Um, he that by usury and unjust gain increase, increaseth his substance, he shall gather it for him that will pity the poor, Proverbs 28 and 8. Um, I mean, you can just go and do a whole study on this. Um, there's mm-hmm. actions of where people were rebuked. Uh, because of usury and how it was authorized to strangers, uh, which I read about that, how it was exacted by the Jews, how men of innocent vice of requiring um, uh, Ezekiel 18 and 8 says, he that hath not given forth upon usury, neither hath taken any increase that hath withdrawn his hand from iniquity, hath executed true judgment between man and man. And so it's interesting. There's just a lot on this. It made me think about life in general and how we were basically taught in the context of what Sarah shared in her definition, usury of taking advantage. Now, when you look at usury in the Bible sense, um, and when I say taking advantage, I want to clarify taking advantage of a brother or a sister in Christ. Now, we shouldn't take advantage of anybody. Right. If we're of good ethical and moral and it, integrity and character we should not be okay to take advantage of anybody i think this is where sarah i definitely am a capitalist and i will never stop being a capitalist and i'm not apologizing for being a capitalist right Mm -hmm. but i think this is where we do have to be careful when we get in the capitalist mindset because you when you study usury you hear the word shark a lot yes And these people were sharks and they were sharks in the sense of financial sharks. Like they Mm -hmm. were, you know, think of what a shark is going through the water, looking for prey to eat and to take advantage of. They're very Mm -hmm. stealthy. They're very slick. They're very speedy. They cut through, you know, the water. Think about that in that context, but think about that in the financial world too. These people are sharp. They're stealthy, but they can be predators. You know, right. so um, when you're studying the history of this, it's talking about people who are sharks and they're predators. And a shark is somebody who preys uh, and and shark in the human context would be a person who preys on another person. So there's a show called The Shark Tank. I don't watch TV, um, but it made me think of this when I used to teach at Hutchison Community. This was included in one of the classes that I taught there. A couple of the episodes were part of the coursework in that. And it's where people go before this panel of high dollar investors and they pitch to them their business ideas. And these investors adopt these people to basically mentor supposedly for the cost of a percentage of the stock or interest in their company. And so they look at the assets of the company. They look at how much capital the company has, how much profit the company has. And then they, they settle on this percentage of ownership that they're going to take to help these people out. It might be 35% of their company. It might be 50% of their company or whatever the case might be. So when you think about this interest conversation, I I thought it it, kind of took my brain there And it made me think about that, like, these are already very wealthy people that are taking advantage of other people's dreams. Mm -hmm. Yes, they're helping them, but they're also getting rich, richer off of their dreams. Like, how rich do you need to be? Now, I I think it's important that, yes, if you mentor something, you do get an investment of that because nothing in life is free. 
But right. how much of somebody's livelihood do you have to take to mentor them, right? To make right. it a worthy investment. So in capitalism, there is this thing that, you know, if we're not careful, we can put all this emphasis on people just getting rich and rich and rich and rich and rich. I'm not socialism for sure, where everything is given to people either. I think the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. And if he doesn't provide for his family, he's worse than an infidel. So and the Bible also talks about the, the value of entrepreneurship. I'm not going into a BAM lesson today. We're talking about taking advantage of others. That's right. a high level picture of how the world takes advantage of others. But when we, we, we trickle down into the kingdom of God, we were taught growing up. Now, I'm finally to your point, Sarah, 10 minutes later. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. We were taught that taking advantage of others is spiritual usury. And so I still feel like that is a very key part of it because when you look at the definition of this, these people were taking advantage of somebody and something they had to offer them. And they were doing it in a sense that was a harmful sense. It was not a helpful sense. It was a harmful manner. You know, Um, maybe you can take advantage of somebody in a helpful manner. I don't know. I don't, I haven't, I don't I haven't think thought so because to me, taking advantage is not helpful. When you really look it up and you think about it, taking advantage of somebody is not being helpful. Yeah. So and because that goes back to the, the, um, you, the uh, explanation of the word that I looked up user is you're really doing it for yourself. Yeah. And so then I guess you have to look at the word taking too, and the definition of the word taking, you're taking Uh something from somebody, you know, and so you're not giving to them, you're taking from them. Right. Right. Um, So I think there has to be, that has to be handled in the right context. So all that to say this man, this thing was like, Growing, I was like, whoa, dog, you <laughs> can go deep big time. You can go crazy on this. But, you know, when we were growing up, it was kind of in the sense of, um, well, this is probably bad to say, but it was kind of in the sense of those who didn't have so much taking advantage of those who did. But when you look at it in the scriptural context, it was both ways. It was right. A lot of emphasis was placed on those who were had so much taking advantage of those who did not have anything. I mean, if you look at the scripture, a lot of times it was like, if you charge usury to the poor, you're, you're basically inhumane. You know, you're not a good person and you're committing sin by Jewish law. You're committing a crime by Jewish law. But there's also that, that context also of the Jews didn't do it to the Jews. They didn't do it to each other. No. And they were not allowed by law to do it to each other. So I don't think the church and the Jews are synonymous. Some people do. I don't. My dad never taught us that. Um, He taught us that there was going to be a remnant of Jews when Jesus returned. Boy, that's a conversation for another day, 144,000. But when you're saved, you don't automatically become a Jew. You're grafted in. We're Gentiles. We're grafted in. We're adopted in. But these, some of these things also carried over into the New Testament and they were taught to the people of God that were his adopted children that were grafted right. in that you don't do these things. You don't take advantage of each other. So that's what we were taught spiritual usury was when we were growing up. I think, Sarah, um, yes. as, if I can remember properly, that it was taking advantage of each other. And that's something that we should not be doing as brothers and sisters of Christ. So I guess the deeper subject is, is what is taking advantage of each other. <laughs> right. Because we've talked so, a lot about the definition of usury, but what does it mean to take advantage of each other? Okay. So after I looked up and, and I did come across all of that that you did, and I had some of that still here laying on my table too, um, about the Jews and whatever, I began to think, and I was really, I was praying, Lord, okay, how can we address this subject in the church age right now that we live in? Um And so I kind of wrote it down here as I was thinking about it. And to me, um, a loan of our service or other people's service or time that they give to others in the church that they do out of the goodness of their heart. And then I feel like when we talk about spiritual usury, that loan that's given willingly from a person's heart then begins to be taken advantage of. 
Did that make sense or was that clear as mud? Yeah, I think I get what you're saying. I think okay, that you're saying so, that somebody is actually giving the gift of service to somebody. Absolutely. And somebody's yes. now or expecting time. now that somebody's expecting it. Like it's an expectation, like you owe me. Absolutely. Because somebody or, has been kind enough to volunteer their gift of service or time. Right. Or, or to loan them some time right. or a gift. Now that other person has become spoiled by that and says, Well, you just should give that to me because I should get it. I'm entitled to right. it. Or they totally rely on it constantly. And and so I think they come to a point where because that has been given so freely in in the person that it was given to's mind, then they come to expect it. And it's almost in like what we live in the world we live in today. Um, I hate referring to this idiocy of what's happened the last two years, Okay. But because of, you know, stimulus checks and now the early payment for children or whatever, you know, you have to do it through the year now instead of at your tax time. And that's extra money. And now um, and then there's the component that they're looking at now is the unemployment. So nobody wants a job because that money comes so easy. So now they're relying and taking advantage of the government system that has begun. And so it becomes a habit a habitual thing, a habit, a habitual thing in their yeah. mind. Oh, I don't need to go get a job because next, next week I'm going to get this amount of money because it's owed to me now. And so in their minds, they're taking advantage of the government. And, and I'm trying to bring this across as plain and simple as I can, because I don't want it to become so confusing that people can't understand. So in the church, okay, here's an, here's an example there is a precious elderly lady that has volunteered her service. And um, I allowed her one time to do this for me. Um, it wasn't cleaning my house or anything like that. It was something that she wanted to do for me. She's a precious woman of God. She's a spiritual woman. She is an elderly woman that walks with God and prays and is very sensitive to God's voice. And this precious lady came and told me that God had laid this specific thing on her heart to do for me. And so I said, well, sister, if the Lord laid it on your heart, I don't want to rob you of whatever blessing God will give you for being obedient to what he laid on your heart. So I allowed her to do it for me. But here's where spiritual usury comes into this, the thing. I could have from that time on, I could have called that precious elderly saint up every week and said, you know, sister, uh, we're, we're out of groceries and we need this amount of money or we need these groceries. And could you run to the store and get that for me and bring it to my house and drop it off and da, 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 da. Because she had done that out of the goodness of her heart and out of something God had given to her. And then I could have just relied on doing that every week. That's where we're talking spiritual usury. Because then it becomes habitual where I take advantage of my sister. Well, one, Anna, I felt uncomfortable because the Bible, and you brought the scripture up, says to honor the widows and to take care of the widows and those that are in need and whatever. And that precious saint was in more need than I was. Right. And in my mind, I could have justified my selfish desire to have her do for me what she had done out of the goodness of her heart and out of obedience to what God had laid on her heart and justified myself in taking advantage of that. But I refuse to do that. I'm not perfect. I'm not saying I am. There again, I don't feel like we have to clarify everything. But so spiritual usury is where in your mind, you begin to take advantage of somebody like that where God did lay something on their heart and they did it out of obedience because they love God so intensely. But then we rely on them constantly for that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And yes, it does. I'm trying to stop saying, yeah, but yes, it does make sense. And I think that we can even go like, let's get even more real with it. Okay. So you were okay. talking about all the government stuff going on and we didn't talk about the rent moratorium, you know, uh, how right. many people haven't paid rent at all for right. a year and a half and landlords are going under because people are taking advantage of the rent moratorium. Yes. It's creating the sense of entitlement, right? In our world, there was yes. already a sense of entitlement before, but it's just exasperated that. And it's, yes. it's, um, it's 
made that even bigger. And it has um, really just ballooned that sense of entitlement. So this person may not call and say outright, I need groceries, please buy me some. But instead they go with a real pious, sweet spirit. And they say, they know these people have a soft heart. And right. they know this person is tender towards the needs of others. And they say, man, my family's really on hard times uh-huh. right now. And we don't have any food to eat. And yes. we've just been praying that God would lay it on somebody's heart to provide us with some groceries. Knowing, yes. always knowing yes. that their motive is to pray on the sympathy Yes, such an individual and to make them worried about somebody else because you know they're going to provide groceries for you when that happens. Yeah, And so I think the spirit behind that is part of the spiritual usury. What It all goes back to what we say so many times. What is the motive and what right. is the purpose? Because let me say something here that is not going to be popular. If your family spends $50 a month on pops at quick shop and doesn't have money yes. to buy groceries, then that's a stewardship problem that needs to be resolved instead Absolutely. of going to somebody in the church and saying, my family doesn't have money to buy groceries. Our stewardship problem or our lack of stewardship problem uh, should not be motivation for us to take advantage of our brother, sister in Christ and pray I think right. it becomes usury when you pray upon somebody. And I'm not talking about praying in the spirit, P-R-A-Y. Right. I'm talking about like a predator, P-R-E-Y. You are, yes. We are praying on someone's yes. emotions to feel sorry for us and to yes. provide something to us that we were not wise enough to... Um, to steward in for ourselves. Um, right. I think that people also take advantage of the church. You see this a lot in Christian schools. I'm see- yes. You see this a lot in um, asking the church to provide services for say rent. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody needs rent or full fuel for their car. Um, mm-hmm. Different things like that. People become very good at praying on others to provide for them they become professionals at this girl especially in the day and age for today and what makes i think what's frustrating to leadership in a church is when a church sets standards and for a christian school this is very frustrating for christian school leaders is when a school sets a tuition and a fee structure and somebody always comes in and says oh lord well i need a discount because you're charging for this and i'm only using this portion of it what people need to understand in the context, I'm, I'm going to get on my soap wagon, bad bandwagon, my soapbox. <laughs> I had a, the two, two idioms confused or, <laughs> or, or mixed up together, my soap wagon and my band box. <laughs> um, I'm going to get on my soap box of Christian education. It is so discounted already in the church. It's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. I agree. Christian schools are expected to run with this high quality of curriculum and this high quality of education that's supposed to be better than the public schools, but nobody wants to pay for it. <laughs> right. You're right. And you that's know, spiritual usury. It's that's spiritual what we're talking about. Usury, spiritual Sarah, usury. It's a sense of invital entitlement. Give yes. me, give me, give me, give me, for give free, me. for free, for free, for free. For free. Yes. And, and I want to be very careful about this because Ties and offerings are the most important. I know some churches are very concerned Absolutely. about putting any tuition or fees on people because some people are not spiritual enough to say, my child's education is worth me getting a side gig. They would rather yes. pull from their ties and offerings and pay for that education. There's yes. no reason that you should be pulling from your ties and your offerings, which is your sacrifice and your gift. And ties is not even a sacrifice and a gift. That's no. owed. Okay, that's a heaven or hell issue right there. And offering is also a heaven or hell issue. (laughs) Can you tell an educator's talking right now? (laughs) Because can I say something right there? Can I interrupt you right here? Okay, so 
a certain group. I'm going to, I'm not going to name them, but everybody's pretty much smart enough. They're going to know who I'm talking about. When you put your child into their school from preschool on through 12th grade, you don't have a choice of asking for a discount or getting it for free or whatever. They put you on an automatic withdrawal, just like they do tithing in their church group. Uh It's automatic withdrawal for your tithing, for your schooling, and for your place in heaven when you die. That's the way I'm going to say it, to be kind. Sure. You don't get the choice. And those people do it because they know how important it is for their children to have the education they want them to grow up having and to be indoctrinated with that particular church group's indoctrination. How much more should we be willing to make a sacrifice for our children? Not spiritual usury, not getting our teachers that are one God apostolic teachers in there teaching them, not only education, but biblical themes. How much more should we be willing to pay the sacrifice for our children to be in a place like that? That are getting paid peanuts to teach our children and to invest in our children. Some Christian schools are not getting paid anything in our churches. At all. They're doing it as a ministry and a service. Yes. Because they love the kids and they want our children to be raised in the truth. And then parents are asking for another discount on top of that. Are you kidding me? And those people in that other church, girl, will take out loans. But I'll tell you, if I had kids, I'd be doing everything I could to make sure they're getting a a godly education, especially in the world we're living today. And I would not be griping about a Christian school that doesn't even pay their teachers, not giving me a discount. That's spiritual usury. I'm sorry. That is spiritual usury. Uh, We need it. We need a mind shift. We need to grow up spiritually. We need to mature in some things because we need to understand that, that it it takes a lot. We better have that conversation another day because you got me going. (laughs) I'm thinking about so, how much money we spent on curriculum a year and what we charged in tuition. If I absolutely. started breaking down some numbers for people, they would die, yes. die. And, and I'll tell you this, the Christian school educators that are paid, most of them are paid less than minimum wage. And it's that's why we have this conversation today. And I am breaking in here and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm interrupting because that's what we wanted to talk about because so many times, Anna, we're not thinking with the mind of Christ, because God did not create us to be that way. Right. God did not create us to want to take advantage of the church and its ministries that it puts out for us, for our children, for us, nor did he create us to take advantage of our brothers and sisters. And that's why we tackled this big spiritual usury theme today, because Satan has blinded us and blinded our minds and, and through the world's way of thinking, he has brought our minds to think in that zone and in that pathway. And we should not be thinking in that pathway that this is owed to me because I'm a saint in the church, or this is owed to me because I attend this church. We should never, ever think that way. God shed his blood on Calvary for us and and gave us the choice to make. So when we choose because we love him and we love our children and we love our brothers and sisters, when we come into the church, we want to put off that way of thinking because it's not God's way of thinking. It's the world's way of thinking. And entitlement is a is a entitlement is not a godly lifestyle living it so when when we get saved we have to change our mindset we become the lender not the borrower right right um we become the ones who are giving not taking yes when we and the bible says a labor is worthy of their hire so when we look at our brothers and sisters in christ working for the greater cause of god we don't want to take away their crown we don't want to take away their reward but there's got to be balance in it And so there has to be balance in our mind as well. And those that are in Christian education shouldn't be taking advantage of people either. I mean, that's the flip side of it. They shouldn't be charging such exhort like that, that um, denomination you were talking about that we didn't name charging exorbitant rates of curriculum. But you know what? Those kids have nice classrooms. 
They have yes, nice they do. desks. They have yes. excellent uniforms. They have a nice school bus. They have um, clubs in them. They have teams in them. Of course, they get sports activities. teams. And, and of course, most apostolic schools don't do sports, so you don't get the money in the booster club stuff, you know, from the sports. But I think that's why it's important for for churches and parents who wanted Christian education to be creative. This isn't really about educa- Christian education. It kind of went there in this conversation. But just let me put this here as a side note before we move on. It's important to be creative in ways that you are helping contribute Um, because the tuition is already so decreased. And if you knew what they were paying for curriculum, it would blow your mind. If you knew what they were paying to keep the lights on, it would blow your mind. If you knew what they were paying to keep a good environment, to keep your kids in a godly safe environment, it would blow your mind. If you knew what the teachers were sacrificing and how they were Uh decorating the classrooms out of their own pocket and buying resources to teach your children out of their own pocket, you would never ask for a discount from that school. You would have a God sense that you are so thankful and you are so grateful that someone is willing to sacrifice their time and their ministry and their resources to provide a safe godly learning environment for you you would tell them thank you every day even when you get mad at them (laughs) because they're pouring into your children every day they're pouring into your child and you would thank them we get so spoiled sarah yes we get so spoiled that we're so ungrateful that we expect somebody to give us things for free because in the world that's how we lived and when we come to god we're not that person anymore. No. And <laughs> we've that's got why... to let go of the world that of the person we were in the world. Absolutely. So here's my thing. This is what I wrote down. Okay. So since we're being really real today, why in the world would you want to spiritually use an elderly saint to take care of your children that are little toddlers? That is spiritual usury, Anna. They're so they're so feeble unless anyway. they want to unless they want to sarah yes but now, if somebody still, wants you should to... not take advantage of them and use them every day of the week or three days a week or five days a week one day a week yes but those precious elderly saints they can barely get along i'm talking anna 70 years old and older and 68 and I understand that, that. I'm sorry. If you have those children, God gave you the responsibility to take care of those children. If they want to come one day a week and spend time with them, tutoring them or working with them or, or teaching them Sunday school lessons or whatever you've worked out with that precious elderly saint. Okay. But when you're doing it every day of the week and you're using them to clean your house and to take care of your children and to cook your meals and whatever. No, no, no. That's spiritual usury. Well, I do agree with that at that level. And I will say that definitely. Now, I, now let me just, let me just stir the pot here a little bit and say in some areas, I disagree. It depends. I want to be balanced in this, in this point. Yes. Because sometimes our elderly people need a purpose in life. Well, I agree. If they're able to physically, if they're physically able, and there are some elderly people that are sprung. Yes. Yes. So. If you work out an agreement with them and they're like, you know what? And if, and if they come to you and say, Hey, I'll watch your children for a couple of days a week. So you can do da, 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 or I'm looking for a little side gig because unfortunately our elderly sometimes need money. Um, yes. I know there's some elderly sisters in the church here that clean other people's houses for them for a side gig. And it's a blessing to them. And those but people are earning money. Very, they're earning money and they pay them. They're that, not well, doing the it key. for free. That's the key right there is that they're not doing it for free because everybody is valued at something. And if, if we can't pay them money, then we need to be giving them gift cards to go get a meal somewhere Absolutely. or a gift card to Walmart or, or a gas our, card filling their tank card. up with gas. Showing our appreciation in some way. Maybe they don't want a wage. That's okay. I'm not going right. to make somebody take a wage that doesn't want a wage, but I think there has to be a trade a balanced trade of, okay, I'm going to give you something. What will you allow me to give you? I'm going to give you some gas cards. I'm going to give you some uh, gift cards for a restaurant. I'm going to give you a Walmart gift card every now and then to go help you with supplies for your house. I think there has to be a trade because if you're using somebody all the time and you're never giving something in return, we're losing the value at that. We're, we're not, and we're, we're using them, them spiritually. Well, we're using them spiritually and we're wearing them out. So how's that going to uh, help us in the long run? 
Right. And when you say wearing them out, okay, so you've worked something out with them. You're giving them monetary um, payment or you're giving them gas cards or, or what you just said, gift cards or whatever to help them out. If you've worked out a time with them, then be there on time to pick up those children or be yes. there on to release that person so that they can go. Because when you don't and you say, oh, I don't have to worry about it. I can run over here to Kohl's and look at some, you know, I need a new outfit for this meeting coming up. Now I'm just shooting off at the mouth. Okay. I'm just throwing something out there because we're being real, right? If you're doing that, that's what we're talking about. Taking advantage in spiritual usury. You're in your mind, you're saying, oh, while they're there, I've got this extra 30 minutes. I can go run and do this and da, 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 da. No, those people have been working all day long, Anna. I know they're tired. Even though they may act like everything's okay, those precious elderly people are weary and they need that time to go home and take a nap and sit in their nice recliner or whatever, or go get a dinner or whatever they had planned for the evening. So that's what I'm talking about, taking advantage in spiritual usury. I think sometimes we get so caught up and here it is. We're going back to what we've talked about before is in our own world, doing our own thing. Taking well, care isn't of it selfish? You know, it is selfish. I think at the root of these conversations, we just have to ask the question. And I think, you know, we use you a lot in here. We probably should say us and we, yes. because we can all fit in this category yes. at some point in the space and time. You know, we use you, um, uh, what's the right word for that? Figuratively. But, right. um, you know, it, we're not targeting any one person in this conversation. No. At least I'm not that I can think no, of. No, I'm not I'm targeting either. situations that I've been aware of and have been exposed to through the years, but um, are talking about situations and maybe yeah, targeting them to bring awareness, not to bring condemnation. That's not the intent here. Right. The intent here is to educate and to inform and to bring awareness and not to condemn and not to put people down. We, you know, we don't, we don't stand on that side of things, but I think that it comes back to selfishness. You know, mm-hmm. um, if, if I'm taking advantage of somebody else to, to validate me, then that's just selfishness. And we should not be doing that. That is wrong to do. And it's not just elderly people, girl. It can no. be anybody. Okay. Let me Absolutely. tell you this. If your husband is working all day, if my husband is working all day, I'm going to make this personal. Okay. Yes. When I got married, my mom taught me three or four things, right? That really, yes. she taught me a bunch, but she yes. taught me a, th- a lot of things that stood out in my mind. When your husband comes home from work, have the house, the bed made and the house picked up. Right. Have your teeth, teeth brushed, your hair fixed and be dressed. Yes. Your husband has worked all day long. Yes. A hard job. And if you have kids, have your kids cleaned up to the best of your ability. They might look like cognacs because they've been playing or whatever. Right. Have brushed their hair, have their teeth fixed. And if they're playing, try to isolate their mess to an area or, right. you know, get a little semblance of order. I don't have small children. So I know the, I know the battle is real when they're small children. When your husband comes home, if you're home all day and have dinner on the table or at mm-hmm. least in preparation, right. if a husband comes home at the end of the day that he's worked all day and his wife is laying around with all her stuff hanging loose and yes. not put together, and no hair fixed, no teeth brushed. The kids look like they just crawled out of bed. Their hair hasn't even been combed. Do you know the how disheartening, disheartening that is yes. to a man? And then the wife says, I've had the kids all day. You take care of them. After he's worked yes, hours. Hours. I pick up the house. If I'm home all day, which I work a job most of the time. But if I'm working from home, even... I pick up the house and I usually have a meal in preparation when Daniel yes. comes home, unless it's something we're doing together. But I definitely have the bed made, my teeth are brushed, my hair is fixed, and I'm being productive, you know? Right. If we're laying on a couch all day, scrolling Instagram or have friends over all day that we're chatting with, and then our husband yes. comes home at night, we're like, you cook supper, you pick up the house, you watch you the kids. You take care of the kids. We got to get our minds in the right place. And think about stuff because that's taking advantage of our husband. Absolutely. And so spiritual usury can be taken advantage of our spouse. It can be taken advantage of our blood brothers and sisters. 
Um, There's people that are pros at getting money out of people. Yes. They are pros at getting money out of other people. And they're, they always have a sad story, Um, you know, and they know they, they are experts at preying on the sympathies of people. And they never well, and give anything in return. That's the thing. You ne- if we right. never give anything in return, we're always taking. Right. And speaking of that, this is here's some things I was I had written down, you know, that mama had taught us. If somebody, if you ask for a ride or you need a ride someplace for a business or something, you should always offer gas money, even if it's just a small amount. Always, always offer gas money. Always. If, Um, a sister or brother, um, you need them to do something for you, like help you move furniture or whatever, offer to fix a meal for them or to pay them gas money for bringing their truck and their vehicle to help you move. You always, this is what we're talking about. Instead of taking advantage and expecting those things because they're a brother or sister in the Lord or a family member, like you said, because it's true. We do. We take advantage of our family as much as we do others in in the church and even in the world. We should always be willing to offer something. And if they refuse it, that's their choice. But we need to be thoughtful and considerate and kind and um, I'm going to write a script. I'm going to read a scripture here because we're running out of time. But I wrote the scripture down that I, I studied when we were talking about this. Romans 12 and 10 says, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. So when we're talking about spiritual usury, I think the best way to get out of that mindset is that we prefer one another above ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that even goes into second Corinthians nine and seven, which says every man, according as he purpose, in his heart. So let him give not grudgingly, grudgingly or of necessity for God yes. loveth a cheerful giver. Sometimes we always talk about like, if that's offering, but I think that's giving in anything in life. Absolutely. And Luke 638 says, given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall men give into your bosom. That's not just money. That's service. That's time. And I think we lose the value and we're constantly trying to figure out how we can get something for free, you know, and that's another part of the age we live in is I need a discount. You know, I'm always looking for ways to save my money too. There's part of stewardship in that. But if it's taking advantage of somebody else for you to save money, then no, you're not using stewardship. You're taking advantage. Let's just sell it. All of us, you know, I'm cool with a store that charges exorbitant rates, giving me a discount. Okay. So I'm balanced on that. I'm going to be realistic about that. But if I'm always looking for a discount from a brother or a sister in Christ who yes. even has less than I have. Yes. Come yes. on, let's not be cheap. But and like, and real, real life here, you know, go for it. And Anna, and when people are having like a garage sale or they're selling things to you in the church, they're already selling things at a discounted price. Why would you expect them to give that to you for free? Yeah, I it's know. one thing if somebody wants to give it to you for free, that's Absolutely. a blessing, but it's not yes. a requirement. <laughs> no, it's not. And you should not expect them to all the time. I have given scads of clothes away for free, literally with tags on them, brand new. I'm okay with that. When I have the, when the Lord lays that on my heart and I'm not doing this to toot my own horn, I'm saying there's a time that when God puts that in somebody's heart and they want to do that, gracefully and graciously say thank you and appreciate it and make sure that you send them a thank you card or give them a thank you card because that that does mean something but then there comes a time when they may have a garage sale and they're trying to make some money to go to a camp meeting or to a conference or whatever don't go to their garage sale expecting them to give you scads of stuff for free because they're your brother in christ or they're your family member or whatever and then you go yeah Go ahead. Go ahead. I think that it's important as children of God that we we have balance there. It all comes back to what we talked about so many times. There's got to be balance, but a mind shift in the people of God, we're as poor as we think we are. And sometimes there's a big amount of pride that comes with being poor, just like there is people that are rich. I agree. Some people are super proud of being poor. I agree. 
you know, and there's things that I will always ask for a discount on. And I love to, I love to bargain with people. I, when we, right. when I first, I have was, no problem with that as long as you're yeah. not taking advantage of them. Yeah. When we first went to Mexico, brother Buxton had to teach me how to bargain because yes. I would bargain people down to pennies, man. And he'd say, wait a minute, Anna, they got to make a living too. And right. so as a newbie to that world, I had to learn balance in that. And as the people of God, we need to be looking at our brothers and sisters in Christ and having a balance and understanding that they're valuable. Yes. Absolutely. What they have, and I think, go ahead. Their time is valuable. Their efforts so are valuable. What they have to contribute is valuable. And the kingdom of God and what it's trying to provide for us is valuable. And so we don't, I mean, we run it for everybody. When there's somebody who's always taken advantage, it ruins it for everybody because yes. rules and things get changed and made because you always have to deal with that one person that is like pushing it to the wire, you know? Yes. I lost you there for a minute. Uh-oh. I was reading. We didn't hear what Did... you were reading. It went down. Okay. Okay. I don't know what happened. I was saying um, in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, the Lord just quickened this scripture to my mind, how that um, Jesus was talking and it says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. More blessed to give than to receive. Man, Sarah, a closed fist cannot either give nor receive. That's right. Think about that. If we're always taking from people and we wonder why we never feel like we're blessed, well, we might stop taking from people all the time <laughs> and start giving to people. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Well, oh, we're at time end and time yes. flies. And I hope we have not offended anybody, but no, we just really felt this subject on our heart. And mama had been talking to us about it and said, you girls need to speak on it. So this is at the request of our dear, precious mama, sister Sandra Elder. I hope that we've been a blessing today. And I hope that we've helped somebody today. Study it out. Think about it. Think about what we've talked about today. and. Ask the Lord. I've been asking the Lord since I've been studying out this week. Lord, help me to be mindful of others more than myself, because I think that's really the key, Anna, is we've got to learn to be more mindful of others than ourselves. Absolutely. And I have a challenge for the listeners this week. I know you had one for awesome. the listeners on the last podcast, but my challenger for all of us and myself included is in the week ahead to think about all the ways that we can give to the kingdom of God. And to others, instead of thinking about what can we get from the kingdom awesome. of God and others, because, you know, God is so good to us. Yes. He gives so freely to us that we just become so spoiled by it. We sit in so church true. and he gives us a blessing. We sit in church and he gives us rest. We go to church and he gives us a refuge from the world. We go to church and he gives us restoration and a refreshing in the Holy Ghost. Like God gives and gives yes. and gives. His kingdom gives to us. We give our tithes and he gives it pressed down, shaken together, running over. He blesses us monetarily. And yes. I really want to challenge you as our listeners. And I would challenge myself as well. Work on a mind shift this week. And, and maybe you need to write it down and make a note of it. God what are all the ways that I can give to you this week? What are all the ways that I can give to a brother and sister in Christ this week? This yes. is, we're getting ready to go into Thanksgiving and Christmas, which is a season of thankfulness and gratefulness and giving anyway. And so now is a, is a time to think about ways that we can give instead of always focusing on ways that we can get. And That's good. Maybe, just, maybe just think about journaling, like the process you've gone through in this yes. mind growth stage. I know I'm using mind growth and mind shift a lot. It takes a growth mindset is what it really yes. takes to put it in the proper yes. terms. I want to grow as a person. So I'm going to change my mindset and I'm going to pray that God changes and helps me change my mindset. And so working on that growth mindset. So that's my challenge. And so as we end today, that's my challenge to everybody. Thank you all so much for listening yes. today. And for joining us once again, we're super excited. we got some more great things coming. But don't forget the book challenge on November 11th. And don't yes. forget to email us your feedback on the book at the Elder Girls 
at gmail.com. Have a great day and God bless you all.